If you love the music on WTWW, here's a new way for you to request your favorite song online. Just go to WTWW.us on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Look to the top of the page for the word requests. Click it and you'll find all the instructions right there. Use the first letter of the name of the artist or group that you'd like to request a song. Instantly, you'll see a complete list of the songs available. Click the button next to the title that you want to hear and poof, it's magic. Your request will automatically go into that hour's playlist, subject to availability, or be automatically moved to the next hour. It's Space Age technology at its finest. Just like a great old vintage jukebox without those annoying coins. Your request will automatically go right into our playlist. No email or phone call required. A Selectomatic instant request page on WTWW.US. Selectomatic is a registered trademark of Seaburg Incorporated. Another leisure high-tech service of the big one. 5085-WTWW. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Yeah, the bot station. Here's KI4ASK, Echo Mike 73. KI4SK, this is K5 Delta Charlie Charlie, Echo Mike 36. Got you, Delta Charlie Charlie. Thanks. KI4SK, Echo Mike 73. It's AO91. Greetings from the Digicom Cafe. I'm Denny J, your host of Radio on the Rocks. For January 30th, 2020, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I've been playing around with all my different digital modes here, getting some new images uh, written to SD card for some friends, for the DV Switch server software. I made a contact with a couple guys on AO92. Oh, it's just been a fun day. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good day and uh, are radioactive. It's a good day to be radioactive because it's uh, 38 degrees out, kind of drizzly, kind of cold, but uh, not as bad as it is up north. Can't complain, we don't have any snow, although we did see some big snowflakes here this morning for about 15 minutes, but the ground was too wet for them to uh, stick. In fact, I went out and emptied our rain gauge, which was almost at two inches. We've had two inches of rain in the last three, four days. And if I would have left it there, would have froze and busted the thing, probably. I have three different radios running here right now. I've got D-Star running on 30 Charlie. I've got my one MD380 running on the TGIF network in my talk group there, 203. I've got another one, uh, another MD380, connected to 3100 on the Brandmeister network. I'm looking at my pan adapter at 40 meters and I'm seeing some activity, some pretty strong signals going on there. In fact, I made a couple HF contacts this morning. It's just been a great radioactive day. And today we're going to feature an interview with someone that I worked on the bird, W4KDK, Ken over in Tennessee. Actually, he contacted me first after the pass and sent me a private message on Twitter thanking me for the contact. And so so I asked him right there if he'd be willing to share his story on my podcast today, and he agreed. So thank you very much, Ken. Appreciate it. Very interesting story, and uh, sounds like we had a lot in common. So stick around. I'll be back. Here in the Digicom Cafe Communications Network, we are all about the power of voice. 
Did you know that you could listen to my Cafe Cast by simply asking Alexa to play Radio on the Rocks? And that you could maneuver your way around my Cafe Cast library by simply saying next or previous? I created this Amazon skill using a free and easy platform called VoiceFlow, where you just build your skill block by block, no coding necessary. If you'd like to build your amateur radio skill, go to voiceflow.com. That's voiceflow.com. Welcome back. You know, there's a lot of different modes in amateur radio where you only exchange minimal information like your call sign or a grid square, DX contest, you get a signal report on HF, things like that. It's hardly a chance to get to know people. Satellites is one of those. Satellites are a very fast-paced mode of communication. You've got sometimes up to 100 people on one FM repeater trying to contact one another and it can be quite chaotic sometimes. And when you do make a contact, all you do is exchange your call sign and a grid square. I often feel like, man, there's there's gotta be some great stories behind those call signs. All you have to do is go look them up on QRZ and you can learn all about these people if they've taken the time to put together a nice biography with pictures and things. I love to go a little bit deeper and call them up, contact them via email first or text message and have them tell the bigger story of how they got into amateur radio and how it's impacted their life. That's really the heart of what we do here in my Radio on the Rocks Cafe cast is to invite others to come in and tell their story. So let's listen to the story of Ken W4KDK of Jackson, Tennessee. Let's give him a call. Kenneth. Yeah, just call me Ken. It'll be fine. Okay. W4KDK, K5 Delta Charlie, Charlie, Echo Mike 36. How are you? Hey, good, Denny. Is your name Denny? It is. Uh, okay. Hey, it's, thanks for the call today on AO92. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You weren't roving, were you? Uh, no, I was not. I was just in my front yard. And is it snowy there? It is not. It's... Uh, Probably uh, in the 40s, I would say. It's not been a terribly uh, cold winter here in West Tennessee. Yeah, we've had it pretty nice here too today, although uh, it's 38 degrees now and it was drizzling and misting when I was out there, so I was getting just a little damp, but at least there was no wind today. Where is your QTH? We're just south of Branson, about 25 miles, about straight west of you. Okay, cool. Yeah. So anyway, it's been a lot of fun working satellites. I've gotten into it just recently, probably uh, the last five, six months, and meeting the neatest people. And they uh, become a great pool of interviews for me. So whenever I can, I snap them up, and I want to thank you for uh, saying yes. <laughs> oh, surely. Uh, uh, it's, it's been a blast to be on satellites. It's, it's, it's just a whole other community, really. Yeah. Have you been doing it a long time? I haven't. I started a couple of years ago. Um, I've been a ham since around 1979. My father was a ham, uh, so I grew up with ham radio uh, in the house, and uh, that's how I got interested in it. I've always wanted to do satellites, and with the new technology like the GoSat Watch app on the iPhone and the, the newer FM satellites, it's really been a lot easier to get on than it was in the old days with some of the older Oscars. 
And these AO91 and 92 FM birds are really good. Yes, SO50 is really good also, I've found. It's not quite as crowded. You know, I've tried SO50, and I can't seem to get in or hear anything. Really? Yeah. It's it's, it's one of my favorite uh, satellites. The only thing about that is uh, you have to tune up uh, a notch or two on the Doppler when it first comes up over the horizon and then tune down as the satellite reaches its apex and then as it starts to descend you can tune down in frequency is how i found it to be easier to work like that yeah it's just opposite of the uh, other two isn't it yes exactly yeah. i'll have to give it a try again i'm i'm i don't think i've got my radio programmed for that doppler on the transmit side that's probably where i'm getting my problems but anyway no, so it's a, i've found it the doppler's on the receive side on so50 really yeah yeah, that's, oh, that's, oh, that's right, because you're... you're... I, I keep my transmit frequency the same on SO50 and then tune up or down on the receive side. You're right, you're right. I'm thinking backwards here. Yeah. So uh, you're a ham radio family then, huh? Have you got any kids that are hams too? No, unfortunately. I think with the, the newer technology, it just doesn't seem to uh, appeal to any of them like it did me. Yeah, that's true. I think with the cell phones, kids look at you like... What do I need that for? I've got a phone. I can do it all here. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, true, true. I, I had a friend uh, who was younger who said, uh, well, what's the difference between me just getting on my cell phone and just dialing random people? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, the thing I say about uh, ham radio is it's a known community. You know, you can get on all kinds of VoIP platforms on your phone, but you don't know who you're really talking to because they can be fake profiles. And people, that's, that's very true. People have gotten into trouble, so I say, hey, ham radio community is a known community. You can look us up and see where we live. True, true. <laughs> sounds, like, true. sounds like you're cleaning your shack over there. Uh, yeah, we uh, the XYL is uh, doing some cleaning over there, looks like. So uh, I tried to move to... A different QTH in the house here. <laughs> well, what? tell me what your shack looks like. What kind of gear have you got? Well, um, I've got all kinds of different gear uh, uh, when I discovered eBay. I um, started out uh, in 1979 with a, a Kenwood 520S, a TS520S uh, that I got my dad for his birthday uh, because he had originally gotten on the AM mode, with a, a Heathkit DX100 and a Hammerlin HQ110 receiver. Oh, nice. And uh, he, uh, one Sunday afternoon in the 60s, he um, and a, a ham friend built a homebrew three-element beam and, with a water pipe and put on the side of our house. I lived on a farm in Kentucky. He had already uh, had a dipole up. He called it a trap doublet. He had two telephone poles up with this trap doublet in between. He was an engineer by training, so... Everything had to be just so-so, which I'm, I'm just the, the opposite, <laughs> where I just, you know, experiment around with all kinds of different things. Uh, so anyway, so for his birthday, I got him a, um, a um, that Kenwood TS520S. And so from there, uh, I talked to him when I was in the Navy. Uh, when I was out at sea in the Mediterranean, I was able to call uh, CQ stateside on 20 meters. When I was out at sea... And gave him my parents' phone number and told him what frequency to, to come up on. And a little while later, 
he came up on 20 meters. And so we set a schedule and we're, we're able to talk, you know, frequently for a few days anyway while I was out at sea. And that was one of the coolest QSOs he and I both had experienced. And so when I got out of the Navy, I got a Kenwood TS530 SP, and it was so cool because it had a digital readout. And back then, it was, it was around 1985, and uh, personal computers were new. And uh, I bought a Commodore 64 just for the express purpose of getting on radio teletype. And that was so much fun, because before, I, all I had done is phone and CW. And I had done CW mostly just because I never really had any good antennas. I just had a vertical. And I, I found out that I couldn't get many people to answer my CQs on phone, so uh, they would on CW. But radio teletype was cool. And then around, uh, I think, the late 90s, I, I switched to a Kenwood TS440S. And I, what I really liked about that is it was solid state, and it had a general coverage receiver, and I could use it in my car. I was in sales at the time, so I could put the 440 in the car and, and connect it to the the battery of the car and use it on the road. And, and I actually talked to people in Australia and Japan on 10 meters when I was in my car. So that was, that was really a lot of fun. And then uh, there was packet uh, that came along with, with the personal computer about that time. And uh, with packet, uh, I never really got into it much more than just sending one liners on two meters to friends on the local packet uh, frequency there and then the PC came out and then I just kind of gravitated towards the personal computer and then the internet and got out of ham radio until about 2008 and uh, fell back in love with it and found new modes like PSK 31 and echo link and uh, then I got a let's say a, a TS 480 a Kenwood TS 480 uh, brand new, the first new rig I had gotten since probably the, the late 80s. And then uh, on eBay, I found some TS940s, Kenwoods, and then a Kenwood TS950 uh, SDX that I have. And just recently have purchased a, an ICOM IC7300 and ICOM IC9700 that I can't wait oh boy. to get on satellites, on linears. Yeah. Very nice. Well, you and I have very similar paths. That tells me you're probably about my age. I'm 68. Yeah, I'm, I'm about uh, six or seven years younger than you are. Okay. Well, I have had a couple of 520s. Love those radios. Mine were the uh, the old ones, you know, the analog dial and everything. Yeah, yeah. But Commodore 64, I was big into that. I left the hobby for a while because of the internet and came back, and now they're married together so nicely. So we have a similar journey. Yeah, it's uh, there's always something new in, in ham radio to, to keep you interested. That so. 9700 is going to be fun. You won't, you won't have to go outside in inclement weather. You can just... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's what I was thinking, but because uh, the, at the same time that I got into satellites, I... I uh, Got a, um, a Yezu FT-818 to connect to the arrow that I had used with my handheld for the FM satellites. And I, believe it or not, I, I sent a, the first linear QSO I had was on AO7. I, I sent out a CQ, 
and somebody came back to me. So I was I was so surprised, and I thought, well, there's nothing to this. But I I found out going semi duplex with linear satellites is 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 a challenge, and so that's one reason I got the the IC9700. Besides not having to go outside in the cold. Right. Have you got the satellite antennas and rotors and controllers? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I, I plan on uh, getting that connected. I have a friend that has a Yezu uh, FT847 uh, here, and he's wanting to get into linears also. He just made his first FM contact a couple of nights ago with KK4YEL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets in your blood. And once you start out on this little road, uh, it's like shooting up with cocaine. <laughs> it just yeah, You I, get addicted uh, to it. Yeah, as, uh, as Jeff in Montgomery, WE4B, told me, uh, he said, uh, it's addictive. And it really is. And I, war- I warned my friend, W3DDT, uh, Whiskey 3 Delta Delta Tango Walt is, is his call. And uh, he's he's just now got into it. And so if you hear Walt out there, W3DDT, give him a shout. He's new in ham radio. And, and I told him it's it's very addictive. We're going to go out to a park tomorrow and, and try to work some birds out there. He wants to see exactly how I do it. And uh, I told him it's it's very simple. So anyway, we're going to have some fun out there. So hopefully we'll have some folks and interest out there. Cool. What other modes of ham radio do you like? Well, CW is actually my favorite. I, um, uh, at, you know, obviously I do FT8 and and other digital modes that I have a chance to try. I, I love Olivia. I wish more people would get on Olivia. It's so accurate. Huh. The only thing that I regret about uh, FT8 is that you just you don't get to rag to. Olivia, uh, the way I discovered it was a few years ago. I was on PSK31, and the, the signals, you know, were, the signal was kind of going in and out, a little bit of QSB on there, and and it was somebody, in, I think it was in Canada, and... Um, he said, well, switch over to Olivia. Are you using, he said, what kind of software are you using? I said, FL Digi. And he said, well, switch over to Olivia. And so I did. And then he sent me screenshots of, of his copy of my signal from PSK31 to Olivia. And the Olivia was like 100% with the same you know, amount of power and everything. So huh. it's a little slower, but it is 100%. And it's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Have you ever done Hellschreiber? I, I'm not. I've, I've copied some, but I, I have never actually had a QSO on that. I would like to do that sometime. I have a friend uh, in one of our circles that was trying it out during a little competition, a little contest, and uh, he was uh, very thrilled with it, told me about it. I've been on several times, but I never hear anybody, much like PSK31 or any of those digital modes, unless they have a contest. Then it's like crazy. Right. Right. I, I still, I, I, my heart's with uh, RTTY. I really like that a lot. But PSK31 was so cool when I discovered that because, you know, free software, uh, you can backspace, lowercase, uppercase. Right. Nice. So many QSOs on one frequency it was just, it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool stuff. Well, you've been a ham for a long time, and you've met a lot of people. Probably won some awards. Are you a paper chaser? You know, I'm not. I think I'm just I'm gonna get into that. I because I had never been on Logbook of the World until I got into satellites, and I saw the the uh, need and the the beauty of Logbook of the World with satellites, and so I 
I actually checked my uh, worked all states and I go, huh, I don't have Alaska in here. And there's, and I thought, I know I've talked to Alaska and I checked my uh, CUSOs and come to find out the one Alaska call that I did have, it was on CW, he moved to Arizona. And so it's showing up as Arizona instead of Alaska. So I don't know how to remedy that. I may have to just <laughs> send him a QSL card and ask him if he still has, has any uh, QSLs from Alaska. But yeah, my friend Walt, W3DDT, he he has, I guess, nearly 200 countries. I don't I don't have nearly that many. I don't have DXCC. I've, I'm a little bit over 50 VUCC. So and I, I, like I said, I've never been a paper chaser, but once I started looking at all these, it's like, hmm, I think I'll try to go for it. So did you just recently uh, print your own QSL cards too then because of it? Oh, but uh, you, what do you mean? Well, when I got into satellites, I noticed uh, I started receiving QSL cards, and it's been 10, 15 years since I'd gotten a card. It's kind of unique to satellites, I guess. So I ended up uh, designing my own and getting them printed and I've got a handful of them right here I've gotten from folks. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't I didn't design my own, but I, I did get some printed up, especially for satellites. So I, I went to a QSL site and um, saw one of a nice galaxy on there that looked pretty cool and picked out a font that looked like, you know, early, early computer font on yeah. there. So kind of kind of a space theme going on there. And, huh. and then I have QSL cards with... Uh, telegraph keys on there for my cw contact so i still like to you know send cards out for the cw rag shoes and and then of course the qsl cards for the satellite contacts because they're they are so special and that's what i was telling walt uh he said that uh, I, I told him that you know you're really going to like the satellites because they send qsl cards and he's a big qsl card collector mm-hmm I used to be, in fact, I had my own QSL card printing business. I designed several different kinds, and I've got probably my cards in every country in the world over the five years that I was printing them. But oh, wow. You talked about uh, working DX in, I think, Australia, you said, from your car. Was that one of those realistic 10-meter rigs? Uh, yeah, um, I think at the time all I had was like a Radio Shack CB antenna that I'd trimmed down to get the <laughs> yeah. SWR down, you know. Cause, and, and then I, you know, I had my Kenwood TS440 on there, tuned to 10 meters. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was back, you know, when when, 10, when the sunspot, when an 11-year sunspot cycle was for real. You yeah, know? at the peak. And we're going to get it again, I think. It's starting to show some signs of life again, so... Maybe we'll be able to do that again here real soon. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I think uh, I became a new ham, uh, like in 79, when it, the, it was at the peak. So you kind of get spoiled when you're a new ham and, you know, you talk to people all over Europe on 10 meters, you know, and then Japan and Australia and New Zealand in the afternoon. Yeah. Are you a fan of, of balloons, seeing as you're already into satellites? Have you been following uh, Tom Medlin's balloon? No, I haven't. I would like to learn more about that. He thinks that's going to be up there for months, and he's got a solar panel on a little one that's powering their their whisper transmitter on 20 meters, and they've got APRS on it. So you can track it uh, using the whisper website or on a couple of different APRS sites. Pretty neat. Oh, what call sign? Uh, W5KUB. 
Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's his call sign, and, and this is his third balloon, as I understand it. He's sharing information on Facebook and on his website and things, too, to keep us up to date, but seems like a lot of people are getting into balloons lately. Pretty soon we're going to we're gonna have to warn all the pilots, watch out for balloons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. I just saw a YouTube of uh, someone skydiving from a, a balloon. Uh, what, 24 miles high? Oh, my goodness. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cold. <laughs> I mean, it looked like, you know, from the camera, from where he was before he jumped, it looked like he were he was in a space capsule. Good grief. Uh, Tom was just posting, I think yesterday, he said at uh, 40,000 feet, where his balloon is supposed to be eventually, it's 91 below zero. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I, you wow. wouldn't think the gear would uh, operate, but I guess he's got some capacitors that are good to 60 below Celsius. So he's got he's on 20 meters whisper. Yeah. And then APRS also. Yeah. Do wow. you do whisper? Yeah. Uh, my friend Walt. <laughs> Walt's been really good at informing on uh, informing me on new modes, and that's why I want to get him on satellites. So yeah. Yeah. Whisper is pretty cool. I. I, like I, I still have this vertical, this butternut HF6V vertical that I bought in 1985 to go yep. with my 530 I had one too. SP, and I've just been too lazy or cheap to put up anything else. Uh, I, I do have some trees out back that I think I can put a 160 meter wave uh, loop out here, a full wave loop. But uh, what I was going to say, I put a 160 meter coil on it. Uh, to get on FT8 on 160 meters, and I can do pretty well, you know, for, you know, North America, uh, the lower 48, you know, maybe a, a maybe a few provinces in Canada. Uh, I don't know if I've talked to Mexico yet on 160 meters or made a connection on FT8, but uh, I, I have put that on Whisper, and it's amazing. I, on Whisper, with this vertical, I've been able to get over to Europe and um, – Antarctica, yeah, and also Maui, yeah, also Maui on 160 meters with this vertical, which I was very surprised because I can't, I haven't been able to make any FT8 contacts it, yet. How much power? Yeah. Oh, how much power? Yeah, and your transmit. Oh, probably 100 watts. Oh, really? I was doing Whisper with only two watts, two to five watts, and I was being heard in Antarctica and the east coast of Africa, Hawaii. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I normally wouldn't run that much power except for the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with it just being a vertical. Yeah, it transmits for like two minutes at a time. There, that might be a little long for hundred yeah. watts. Yeah, I never thought about it. But, uh, <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. So has ham radio impacted your career in any way? No, it hasn't. Uh, I wish I had been a better math student and gone into electrical engineering because that that's really where my interest uh, uh, lies. But uh, I was I was a business major in college, and then after uh, uh, four years in the Navy after college, I went into business and sales. And so, I, but the good thing is, being on the road in sales, I was always able to have a radio with me. You know. Yeah. Well, now it's much easier with some of the technology we've got. You don't even need a radio. You can use a network radio or your Android phone or whatever to communicate in any of the modes. That's what I've been into lately, DV switch. Wow. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, exciting. I love talking to people that I work on the bird. You know, all we do is exchange a call sign and a grid square, and I have no idea the story behind it. So I usually, when I log them, I look you up on QRZ and get a little little background if you've got a biography that you filled out and a picture and usually send an email requesting an interview. And sometimes the stories are just so amazing. I can't believe it. It just That's the exciting part of ham radio for me is getting to know the people I talk to. It, it really is, and um, I can just remember as a as a small child sitting in my dad's lap while he was on the ham radio. Oh, neat! And and he loved. I mean, that's what he liked about it. I mean, he he, he, he I mean, he was an engineer, but it wasn't so much the electronics that drew him to it. He he loved meeting new people, and he had this map from the National Geographic on the wall in his ham shack, and he would show me. You know, each state, you know, where somebody was that he was talking to or he would have his Rand McNally roadmap he would pull out and show me the exact town in the state where they were of the, the person he was talking to. And so, yeah, there's just so many different facets to the hobby, whether it's, you know, the electronics that people are drawn to or the, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Is your father still living? No, he's a he's been a silent key for about nine years. Oh wow! Now. Yeah, my dad died quite young too. Do you have children too? I do. I have, I have four kids. Wonderful. Well, this is fun. Sounds like you're playing with your mouse there and your computer, probably checking all the band conditions or something. Or uh, no, <laughs> sorry about all the. Oh, no problem. No problem. This is uh, not a problem. I I get noises coming in here too. I might have a radio. Uh, turn on or something or somebody's calling me on one of my other modes or platforms and it's this is called reality radio yeah yeah you now know? i see why disc jockeys have headphones on <laughs> yeah i do too <laughs> yeah now, tell us all where you live now i don't think anybody really knows uh where you're at oh the qth here is is jackson tennessee it's located between memphis and nashville in the western part of the state and we just call it West Tennessee over here. It's between the Tennessee River and the Mississippi River. Okay. It's about an hour uh, northeast of Memphis on Interstate 40 and about two hours southeast of Nashville. And um, it's cotton country over here. They don't grow cotton in any other part of the state except over here. Huh. Um, it, you might uh, not know the first Hard Rock Cafe was started right here in Jackson, Tennessee, the, the founder uh, his last name was Tigret, and uh, he took it over to London. And then you can actually go to a museum here and get a, a Hard Rock Cafe T-shirt that says Jackson on it. Huh. Also, Cracker Barrel, uh, the, the the franchisee of Cracker Barrel, um, noticed uh, there was a store here called, or a restaurant called the Old Country Store, and it had like a gift shop up front and a restaurant, and they duplicated it and franchised it uh, to become Cracker Barrel. But... Uh, I think our, our biggest claim to fame here besides Casey Jones, the, the <laughs> railroad engineer, is Carl Perkins, who wrote Blue Suede Shoes. Oh. And uh, he recorded that in Sun Studios in Memphis. And then Elvis had such respect for Carl Perkins, he waited a year later to record Blue Suede Shoes. But Carl Perkins had a good career. He was on the, the beginning of uh, Rockabilly. And if you look at my QRZ.com page, you'll I see did. a picture of the the million dollar quartet. Yep. Carl Perkins is the one with the guitar. Okay, I saw and that. Johnny Cash is in there. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis. 
And that's in Sun Studio in Memphis. Cool. Well, you're also really close to WTWW, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I guess I have the shortwave station. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's a couple hours away. Have you ever listened to it? I have. I haven't in a while. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I am. That's Ted Randall's station. I was supposed to be on his show here this last Tuesday, but he lost his voice. Oh, wow. Well, you would have been a good fill-in for him. He ended up uh, pulling up an old one, an interview with Bill Pasternak. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was running in pretty good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of WTWW. We have their commercials on my podcast all the time, and uh, I listen to it regularly. I love the ham-centric, faith-centric type uh, 60s music all mixed together. kind of brings me back to my youth. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of folks our age uh, really miss uh, shortwave, and it's kind of nice to have a, a shortwave station still available for us to listen to. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Ken. appreciate uh, you taking the time to share your story, and thanks for the contact. I'll get you in Logbook of the World. Oh, by the way, did you find that a challenge to get set up? Uh, Logbook of the World? Yeah. It, it wasn't too bad as long as you just uh, follow the directions. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a little while. I, I, did, I did find out later that in order to get credit for the VUCC grid squares, I, but what happened is that I was logging everything into QRZ.com, and uh, once I got on Logbook of the World, I had all these satellite contacts in QRZ.com, and it synced, and, it, and they showed up, you know, because folks, folks that had uploaded my contact with them, you know, was showing up as a match. Well, I didn't see any of the grid squares, you know, getting credit for the grid squares, but what I found out later I had to do is to go in to Logbook of the World to tqsl and actually put in you know the satellite and the satellite frequency and all that and once i did that it was fine yeah well i'll get you logged here today and uh, if you're chasing for the grids i don't know if you've got em36 yet or not but uh no i need that as a matter of fact oh, thank you very much i'll get you logged in thank thanks. you for the contact and thanks for your time god bless and uh we'll catch you on the bird okay denny 73 73 bye-bye Hi, this is Extra Class Amateur Radio Operator, K5DCC. I just upgraded to my Extra Class last year. You know how I did it? I used HamTest Online. Did you know that HamTest Online is the top-rated study program on eham.net? 97% of reviewers gave them 5 stars. They have more 5-star user reviews than all other study methods combined. And success is guaranteed. If you fail the amateur radio license exam, they will refund your subscription. It's a no-brainer. You pass the exam or get a full refund. Try it for yourself at hamtestonline.com. Today's Daily Devotional is entitled, Always Righteous and Just. Leviticus 10.6 reads, And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brother and the whole house of Israel bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. In this chapter we read about the death of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. God killed them both 
for their presumptuous approach and uh, burning of strange fire before the Lord. Their motivation for doing what they did was not specified, but they came before God in a way and at a time not authorized by God. And the consequence for what they did may seem harsh and even unfair, but it stressed uh, the importance and seriousness of disobeying God or failing to approach Him with reverence. However, what I'd like us to focus on uh, today is the severity of the punishment uh, that God imposed on them. Uh, so often we sin and then we complain about how severe or unfair the consequences are for what we did when someone else's consequences might not appear to be as severe for doing something similar. In Second Chronicles 26, King, King Uzziah in his pride entered the temple to burn unauthorized incense on the altar and rather than kill him instantly, he was struck with leprosy for the rest of his life. In the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira were killed for lying to the Holy Spirit in their attempt to uh, look like they had given the church all the proceeds from the sale of their land when in reality they had only given a portion. We read throughout the uh, scriptures that God decides the consequences for each person in each occasion uh, that someone sins against them and even though it may not seem fair to us in comparison, know this, God is righteous in all his judgments. Uh, stop and imagine how any of us would have felt if it was our sons that were killed, but then we were forbidden to mourn for them. How would we feel about God? How would we feel about continuing to serve Him? In this instance, Aaron was uh, expected to continue in the service of God in the tabernacle and not take time uh, to mourn the loss of his sons, lest he also be put to death. Many of us today would think this heartless, unfair, and unbearable. However, God is always just in what he allows and how he judges. He knows each of us, and he knows exactly what uh, to allow in our lives to get our attention and get us to put our eyes back on him. Psalm 119, 137 tells us, Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Psalm 145, 17 reads, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. Revelation 15, 3 reads, They sing the song of Moses, a servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Before we sin against God, we need to stop and ask ourselves, Are the consequences that may come out of this worth doing this? Is it worth hindering my relationship with the Lord, violating His holiness, and possibly dealing with a lifelong consequence? The bottom line is that God desires that we honor Him and serve Him with our lives. He desires intimacy with us. His desire is not to have to discipline us with uh, such severity. But His righteousness demands that, we not overlook, that He not overlook sin. He has already given us far more than we deserve in giving us His only begotten Son so that we do not perish in our sins. We know that from John 3.16. But He will allow severe consequences in our lives if, that's, if that will keep us on the straight and narrow path. When King David committed adultery and plotted the murder of Uriah, uh, Bathsheba's husband, God told King David that the sword would not leave his house in 2 Samuel 12.10. Sadly, his son Amnon raped his own, his own sister Tamar. Uh, his other brother Absalom, his other son Absalom killed Amnon as revenge. We read that in 2 Samuel 13 uh, through 15. And Absalom is later killed because of his rebellion uh, against his own father, King David, in 2 Samuel 18. It was a costly price to pay for the sins he committed, but a just judgment handed down by a just and righteous God. You know, we may not like the consequences God allows for our sinful actions, but the best way to avoid these consequences is to do our best to live a right, holy life before the Lord.
whenever we think it's unfair that God is allowing something tragic to come out of our moments of sinfulness, stop and think of how unfair it was that God had to torture and put to death His only begotten perfect and innocent Son as payment for our sins. Rather than complain and rebel any further, let God use those uh, consequences to draw us nearer to Him and put us on the path to living a life that will exalt Jesus and His wonderful, amazing uh, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. Uh, today, God extends an invitation to you to accept His free gift of salvation. And will you accept it? Anyone who calls on Jesus by faith and repentance, confessing your sins, will receive eternal life. Do not put off calling on Him and receive Him and His free gift of salvation today. Thank you for visiting and listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe Cast. You can also listen to all of our Cafe Casts on your Amazon devices by asking Alexa to play Radio on the Rocks. Visit our blogcast at digicomcafe.com for our show notes and additional content, and join our growing Cafe Mighty Network.